Let's do that again. And that's what you call a false start. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Wright. So how was your week so far? Quiet. Not a lot to it. Not a lot Other to it. Other than the general just... General just, yes. Chaos, dumpster fire behind you. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting more used to chaos, which would be a valuable coping mechanism in this day and age, uh, or if the world actually has seemed less chaotic since we were last together. Um, I don't know. I don't know which it is. Uh, Who's to say? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a kind of a mixed bag, for sure. You know, we um, we thought that we had solved all of the world's problems last week, and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a fact that bringing Shelty on helps with things. Um, Put things into perspective. Yeah, least. it's helpful. He's a helpful guy, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um. So, what about you? How's your we, week been? You know, it is what it is. Isn't it? Though? Um, I did go back to work this week. Wow. I just realized that my sunglasses on. Sweet. I'll just put these on. You know, we'll just do it like this. It's hey hey hey. Um. We, I, I went back to work this week mm. in like the office and such, and it, um, it was weird. Yeah. And it still is weird. Um, doing some like kind of flex kind of work will be in, I'll be in some days and not in other days. Um, it's nice to have some like alone time, mm. but it still feels weird. And I'm not 100% sold on the whole idea, but corporate policy is that I go back into work. So I'll do what I got to do. Exactly. It is, you know, so that's where we're at. Yeah, we have a few people back in the senior senior folks in the office, just four or five of them, I think. And then they're starting to. Um, actually, my boss just took a poll whether we wanted to be in which phase we wanted to be in the July, August, or September phase. Yeah. Um, I, what was your vote? Uh, well, I haven't responded to that yet. I'm still working it out. Got it. I don't really know. Um, my wife has decided it was gonna. She was like, "I'm just gonna be here for the summer. We'll see what the school year holds." Um, we're getting projections that school's not going to be back in normally in the fall. So right. we'll just have to see. Right. Yeah. We're starting to get the same stuff. In other news, I played a gig this past week. What? Yeah. So you played a gig and I played a gig. Yeah. Yeah. Things might so, be. What, I don't, what does that mean right? about things? I don't know. So as we were kind of like wrapping stuff up, Last week's episode, I got an email that said, hey, we're looking for somebody. And it was at a spot that was like literally walking distance from my house. So I threw my hat in the ring and got the call um, and ended up playing at a um, in the alleyway next to a restaurant in our downtown area, like very, very close to um, to my house. Nice. Um, ended up playing from like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, weather was a little iffy. I didn't make any announcements about it. I wasn't sure if it was actually going to go down. So I just kind of was like, I'll give it a shot. Um, but this was my first full deal back. You know, I did two sets with a little break in the middle. Um, and you know, you were talking about like hand stuff and voice stuff. And I was really surprised at how easy it was to Mm. kind of jump back into it. Good. Um, the day after the day after, which is always the one that's going to oh, get you. It's not the next day. It's yeah. The day after that. This hand, the my my strumming, picking hand, 
uh, was the one that kind of got a little hmm. uh, upset because it's the one that was, I guess was putting in the most work for sure. Uh, welcome to Phil and to Becky. Thanks for tuning in on the live stream. We are always uh, with you guys live on Facebook and or Instagram. We're on Facebook tonight, uh, but we uh, appreciate all of you guys checking us out. Indeed. You know, I don't think See, I said um, on the on the show last week um, after that gig that I played. I realized how very out of shape my whole gigging physical apparatus was. In fact, yeah. I think we recorded the day after yep. that gig. And the following day, it's because it's never the day after. It's the day after that. Yeah. God, ev- everything from my, um, you know, my whole singing machinery, uh, you know, um, larynx to diaphragm was sore. And because yeah. um, I just hadn't done, you know, v- breath support. Yeah. In three months. It's crazy. And so to like get up there and do do it for three hours straight was like a real work. It was really something. And like on my end, um, my, the next day that I was, I had issues with my right knee because mm. it's the standing kind of moving kind of procedure in that case that was giving me trouble. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a challenge, I guess. Um, but then it went away Yeah, and it was fine, but it was just kind of weird. Um, just kind of like adjust to that. So the joys of aging. Well, and you know, (laughs) nobody goes and, um, you know, lifts a thousand pounds when they Mm -hmm. haven't done that in three months. You know, it's, we don't, um, I think when we're for sure, when I'm like gigging every week or a couple times a week, I don't think about what that takes physically because I'm just up to it. I'm just, you know. Like I'm ready. Yeah. But, uh, I had to really deal with not, not having been ready this last time. It was very strange. I'll say my saving grace was, um, because I, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't tell anybody about the gig itself. Um, my brother just happened hmm. to show up and, um, and <laughs> I was, I was calling him out with a couple of my friends, but like him and his wife have a unique relationship. So on a Friday night, last Friday night, they got a babysitter for their kids so that they could go and run 10 miles. What? On a Friday night. That was their date. That was their date night was going to run. Wow. Which is fine. If that's Uh, what you're into, God bless. Sure. It's just, you know, but what the, the going back to that is he helped me load out. Mm. So I didn't have to carry my, uh, my PN stuff to the car. I did have a primo parking spot, which was like super choice. Um, given the circumstances, um, so yeah, it was, uh, vocally, I had a really great night and I felt like, um, I was able to kind of get in the mindset of being, you know, cause sometimes we kind of just go out there and we're just literally just like churning out whatever it is we're doing. Yes. You know, we're basically making sounds. I, I, there, there's all these videos of like the, the most recent one was, um, it was Elton John doing, I'm still standing for one of these benefits and he's literally just making mouth sounds to the song. Like they're <laughs> yeah, not words yeah. anymore. Oh yeah. Him. And somebody put um, captions that were, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was great. Um, so that's, you know, some nights it can feel like that, mm-hmm. but, um, I felt like I was able to kind of like come at the angle of an artist and like deliver good performances and had some really fun moments vocally that I was really kind of impressed by, because again, you know, you had kind of, 
you had been out ahead of me the week before and I wasn't quite sure if I, you know, had the, had the wherewithal to kind of pull it off. But, um, you know, in the moment I was able to, I feel like rise to the occasion That's and, good. you know, That's good. give a good performance. That's good. I would say, I think part of my, part of my struggle with my show was that, um, I was under monitored in the first half. Okay. Didn't, couldn't quite hear myself well. And I was pushing over top of that. Yeah. Um, so during the break, I cranked my gain up and, um, and then I had to stand back from the mic. Like it was, yeah. it was actually a little too much. Um, but that's a good thing when you feel like you've hurt yourself in the first half. Like I could yeah. sort of croon through the second set and still have it. So in my case, I had my TurboSound IP2000 behind me yep. to my right. Yep. And um, with that, I can get, <laughs> uh, I could get a, a decent volume behind me and kind of keep things um sorted out yeah um brent just hit us up in the live stream said adam how the heck do you get your green screen to not make a halo around your body inside tip that's right um if i were to disable this i actually have a um a shop light like one of those just neon shop lights that is behind me on the floor shooting up behind me the whole point of it is kind of to backlight yourself so that whatever i am does isn't casting a shadow the other thing to consider is you can't tell from where I'm at, but I am at least, I mean, this is my hand back behind me and there's probably another foot behind me where that is. Yep. So, so I'm actually pretty far away from my green screen, for those, which is why for those there's you, no shadow. For those of you on the, just the audio version of this, we're having a video moment, but, um, but yes, for sure. If you are, if you have your screen right up behind you, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna reflect green on your hair and your face and your, it's gonna, you're gonna have a weird green halo. That, that is certainly true. And there's some, I'm looking at um, getting some uh, light ones, for because I feel like green screen shooting for videos and YouTube and stuff is going to be a thing. Um, they sell these like wands, these like 30 some odd inch like LED wands that you can kind of put up on um, on tripods that you can use to light the screen behind you and do that. So cool. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, it was it was cool. And um, I had a lot of conversations, handed out a bunch of cards and hopefully picked up some business uh, around it. Excellent. Um, I feel like a lot of times I feel uh, weird about singing the stuff that I'm comfortable singing, which is mostly eighties and nineties. Um, you know, I try to create like a good kind of mix of those. Um, but what ended up happening is I, I, I kept getting like a lot of really good positive feedback from the eighties stuff. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> you guys are in, in for it. <laughs> so I did mostly eighties towards the back half of the night and uh, just crushed. It's great. It was you know, like you had said, it was like getting that fixed, but it was like, it was one of those nights where everything just kind of lined up and like, you know, we've had conversations about acoustic gigs where I've gone out there and kind of felt like this wasn't the right crowd or I wasn't playing the right stuff or whatever. This was not one of those nights. It was just kind of like one of these magical kind of great. everything, all the stars aligned That's and all great. that good stuff. That's a really good thing. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago I started, uh, um, shallow. Right, Google, uh, Gaga and Cooper. Tell me something, girl. That's right. That's right. And I so I sang that line, and at three different tables, independently, three different women screamed. Wee! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good moment. Yeah, <laughs> a good moment. My the one that I kept fig like there was this lady off to like my left that spent the entire night like just doing this sweet. Like, I don't know what she was doing. She never came up to say hello. We didn't, you know, discuss anything, 
but um, I guess she liked it. Must have. But I didn't hand out. I didn't hand a card to her or anything like that. And like tip wise, I made like 120 bucks in cash. Sweet. So that was pretty cool. That's good. Um, you know, so first one back felt good. They don't always feel that good. I'll take it for what it is. Um, I may be jumping in on a gig on Saturday. Haven't gotten the full thumbs up, thumbs down on it. I'm open to the idea if it does happen, but I'm not, you know, I'm not banking on it if it doesn't materialize. It's good. And it would be just kind of like a throw, throw and go kind of thing. They're like, we need a, a lead guitar player. And I was like, well, I guess I could maybe do that. I am one. I, I know of those things. You know, I had the, uh, the manager of pig pounder. Yep. Called me last week. Um, they've been open for weeks or so now and been doing their own social distancing, whatever on the patio and inside and masks and, and she's kicked some people out who didn't comply. Like she's serious. Sure. About it. Like they're, they're playing by the rules. Yeah, yeah. She means, she means it. And, um, so she didn't know if quite when the music was going to happen again, she just wanted to touch base and it was really great to be reached out to. So that never happens. Yeah. It speaks a lot of, of her and our relationship with her and all that. Um, and then she got in touch and said, Hey, could you guys do the gig that we booked, you know, back the first of the year, um, that is the last Saturday in June. And mm-hmm. I knew that Tony before all this happened was going to be out of town and I needed to sub him. Um, my drummer, Tony. And, um, uh, because all this happened, I didn't sub him. Like I, I did nothing about that. And, yeah. um, so I got on the horn to some people who were likelies and it's for a variety of reasons. They didn't either. It didn't work out for them or they weren't comfortable rehearsing or whatever. Um, and so I had to get back to her and say, you know, I don't think we can keep that date. Uh, I don't think we can do it. Now I could do it with my acoustic duo. And if we look, maybe that's more conducive to our social yeah. distancing goals. Acoustic music versus like electric dance band. Yeah. Um, and she hasn't gotten back to me yet uh, about that. So I don't know, but for sure the, you know, things are relaxing out there and I, um, it's alarming because I don't, I don't know about Georgia, but in North Carolina, the case numbers don't reflect that that's a thing we should be doing. Right. Um, but we appear to be doing it. So yeah, I mean, the, the weird thing about that gig was that I was very seldomly reminded that something was not normal. Yeah. Um, and, and people just don't seem to be, you know, they're like, well, I guess we're fine. Um, and I didn't necessarily feel that way. And like, in my case, I was on a stage, like literally separated considerably. So I didn't feel like I was in any, you know, I weighed the risk and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for a lot of people, it doesn't feel normal. Um, Brent just chimed in, said, uh, the question is a slight return to the normal world or is it here in Arizona? We return to the normal world on May 15th. My band has been playing every weekend since then. Now Arizona reports a huge uptick in COVID cases. It's weird up in Northern Arizona. No one has canceled anything. We are still playing every weekend. Hmm. I mean, it's, I it's, we've pledged not to go political on this podcast. And I guess it's not political to say that it is, it is the most American thing possible to think that you can wish away yeah. a natural disaster. Yep. Um, and hope hope that things are better. 
Um, yeah. cause we're hopeful people. Uh, sure. You know, we, you know, we're, we're full of gumption and <laughs> hope, hope and, you know, optimism and gung honus. Um, but viruses don't respond to any of that. So they don't care if you're American. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. You know, um, the, when, when I went back to work, you know, we had this big corporate meeting that was kind of the whole impetus of getting everybody in the office. And, um, one of the guys who is in charge of the company works, um, at the state capitol. He's, he's a state senator. Mm. And he was giving us a bunch of numbers about the likelihood of this and this and that. And none of it was about contracting the virus. It was about surviving the virus. Right. So they're not even like remotely concerned about right. you getting sick. Right. They're like, you'll probably not die. Yeah. And that's accurate. Yep. Sure. But also, what? no. What? Yeah. 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 So, you know, this still boils down to look at the situation, right. consider the risks, right. and do what you think feels comfortable. Exactly. And um, your, your tolerance for risk is going to be different from anyone else's, and you're the only one who can make that assessment. And you got you to gotta make it. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend who is playing, uh, who's based out of Miami, who has been playing, and he's like... You know, I was like, we, we don't really have any live stuff going on in the next couple of months. Um, but he's like, down here really isn't, no one's even acting like it's happening. And people are not social distancing, especially when the drinks start flowing. Right. So right. Um, it's probably for the best that you're not playing right now is what he told me. So, yeah, we had a, um, our governor here uh, um, came out of the gates with a really good, science-based plan. And then I feel like he's been pushed around by politics to get out ahead of what the science is saying uh, in terms of opening up. And, and, and yesterday um, in his daily briefing, the, the head of the Department of Health and Human Services, ADH, yeah, Health and Human Services, said um, for the first time that anyone said, you know, these numbers are concerning. We sincerely hope we won't have to move back to a stay-at-home order Mm. And here's what that's going to take is that people take it seriously and wear masks and social distance and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the comments that happen next to her on Facebook when she says that, of course, are all full of uh, stuff. So lots of epidemiologists. On Facebook, <laughs> yes, we all yes. Yes. Highly trained political humans. science majors, epidemiologists, yeah. many, many experts in many fields. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have been keeping track, but um, stuff that you see on Facebook can uh, come back and really get you. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's, I can't decide if I um, I'm against the doxing of it or I'm for the karma of it. I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah. Um, for those of us in the, uh, the music world, um, the owner of Carmichael Drum Thrones really got, uh, now, I'm not saying he got himself into trouble because he went for trouble, he went looking for it, and he found it. Yeah. Um, and now all of these high-end, um, all of his endorsees and stuff are starting to uh, shun him. And that's kind of what happens when you've got crappy opinions on things. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know how else to go about that. And, you know, you don't have to agree with how I feel about it, but the fact of the matter is, is that... Um, 
people don't understand how the con the freaking constitution works. <laughs> There's that. Yes, you have the first amendment. The first amendment says that the government, the government won't come after you for what you say, but it doesn't mean that there are no consequences yeah. when you say something stupid yeah. and you represent somebody. Yeah. So plus, by the way, personal branding 101. This is me raising my voice and everybody is. who's listening. Personal branding 101. If you've got a crappy opinion, keep it to yourself. Don't post it online. It's probably not going to work out for you. Yeah. Or, you know, great? look inside a little bit and find out who hurt you and where that came from. Because honestly, I, I just about jumped into it again. And it was because I was having a crappy day. And that's really what it is. It is. If I feel like I'm out of control, I'm like, well, I'll start just spreading this crap around. That's right. That's right. I'll put that on you. Yeah. So <laughs> gut check yourself, man. <sighs> Before Brent, you gut Brent's yourself. coming with the, with the hotness. State apolitical is a ban. No one's coming to us for opinions on things. Yeah, I feel like there's something, you know, we talked about it last week that there's stuff that is worth stepping up for. Human rights. Okay. Probably. Yeah. You sure. know. Yep. If people want to get at you because you feel like people should be treated the same and that you know they shouldn't be oppressed and that kind of thing, um, that's that's one thing. Um, outside of that, people don't really care about your opinion. Yeah, they just don't. And um, your opinion, and this is one of those weird opinions that I may be unpopular, but like the internet with the democratization of opinions, like. I don't always think that's a good thing. No, I think it's often I feel like not. some opinions are more valuable than other. Yeah. Opinions. Well, I mean, the, pro the problem, of course, is that, that my opinion is as good as your evidence and information. Which, or yours. You know, isn't the yeah. truth at all. It's not how that yeah. works. You know, expertise. Well, I don't know. I feel a way. Yeah. So that's probably as good as your expertise. Brent, I'm loving, Does your I'm opinion loving, help you play wagon wheel better? Brent right now. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. It doesn't. Do they get up and dance to your opinion? They don't. Not so much. And you should keep it to yourself. Yeah. That being said, uh, there's been a lot of people getting mad at like um, the guys from Rage Against the Machine being <laughs> Oh, no, I love this. Social media. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you own those records. Yeah. You, and you never listen to them. He doesn't have like a degree for, a, you know, a master's of political science from Harvard or anything. Tom Morello, I mean, he may know what he's talking about. I don't know. Who's to say? That being said, let's switch gears, why uh -huh. don't we? Um, speaking of gear, I, um, I had gotten uh, a pickup for my Steinberger. Mm my little eighties buddy. Yeah. Um, we got a gig coming up in July, so I wanted to make sure it was, uh, ready for its big show. Um, and I had the, the pickups that I got for that were stock in it were not great. There's just these covered Chinese pickups, no clue, no Providence, whatever. Um, and I went to uh, guitar fetish and got some GFS pickups. The two humpbuckers I put in sounded amazing. Nice. But, it was an HSH configuration and the single coil um, I couldn't find to match the impedance of the humbuckers. So I had to hold off. Hmm. They finally got them back in stock. I ordered one. It sat in a box for months <laughs> um, because wow. Well, you got another time? What, why, why would, exactly. Why would you deal with it now? 
Yeah. So um, I finally did go over to my buddy, John Bailey, who is um, the sub guitar player for members only, but also um, an amp tech and been my guitar tech for probably 15 years at this point. Um, and dropped that off along with the uh, Lee Malia Explorer to get uh, some work done on that. Um, it needs a fret polish and a couple of things. We're going to replace the nut with uh, with a tusk nut uh, to help with some of the tuning issues that I've been having. Uh, and so those are gone, and I'm pretty stoked on getting those back and seeing how they play and what they sound like. Cool. And in doing that, I was like, he he's affiliated with Orange, and I was like, do you have any information on the Pedal Baby or the Terror Stamp? And he's like, currently they are on a um, on a boat, mm. and I don't have any available for you to try out, mm. but check this out so he gave me one of these guys which for those of you who are just listening is the quilter 101 mini head hmm. um, which is basically just a power section or it can be a dedicated amp with an effects loop if you want it to be um, but he said that it is very similar to what the pedal baby can do and um, he said he may like it better um, so I'm very interested in trying this out with, uh, with the helix. I haven't had a chance to do that. I got it a couple of days ago and haven't been messing around. So you'd put uh, that out a, a set of cabinets. Yeah. So if I, I've got, I've got my orange cabs mm -hmm. here, okay. um, you would run the helix into the effects loop yep. and then the power section, just basically the master volume that goes out to the actual cabinet itself. Nice. Um, my understanding is all I need to do is disable the um, the impulse response for the speaker cab mm -hmm. and uh, just blow it straight through. It'll um, save you a um, save you a spot on the stomp too. Yep, it's nice. So well, you know, I've got a, I still have a couple of uh, bands that I work with and gigs that I've got coming up where having um, the ability to push some air is necessary. So I'm going to give this a shot and see right. what uh, what it looks like. Uh, the Quilter Phantom is another model that some people have tried out that are big fans of. Um, I'd love to stay within the Orange ecosystem. I get good deals on them. But if this one pans out, I know how much I need to pay for it. Mm. And it might be kind of in the same realm. So we'll just have to see. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan O'Leary from, uh, I believe so was Red just popped in, asked about, um, are you using the short SM7s for recording or just podcasting? Um, I don't know about you, but the video that I posted of, um, I believe in a thing called love was recorded exclusively on this microphone. That sounded great. Um, yeah. And even in the, um, in the video I was using the, uh, the super 55. Cause it looks great. Uh, right. Yeah. Because it does the thing. Um, but it was all recorded in this and you know, in, in the room that I'm in right now, there's a lot of stuff going on. And the cool thing about the SM sevens is that they are very good at rejecting, uh, ambient noise around you. So as long as you are within, you know, one to two inches of the capsule itself, uh, you're going to get a great sound without too much, uh, just bleh yep. in the background. Yeah. And I've not done a ton of recording, but I have, um, done some live streaming with this mic and it's been mm -hmm. really, I've been very happy with it. Yeah. Uh, now, do you have the low roll cutoff I do. Uh, turned on in yours? I do. I do. And the mid-boost. You, know, you, got, you got a little bit of that, you know, 
you got that radio mojo going on. Yeah. But that's probably proximity effect. Yes. Um, this is the first time I've actually ever implemented the um, the mid gain boost. You can't see it there, but I put the little notch mm -hmm. up. Um, thanks, Ryan, for the kind words about the cover. Felt like it went pretty well myself. Yeah. It hit twelve thousand views on Cooper's channel, Casey Casey's channel, and like almost four hundred on ours. Yeah. So. But yeah, the the Shore, if you don't have a Shore SM7B, there's really no reason not to. It's pretty, you know, dollars for donuts. It's the one of the best mics you could pretty much buy. And I'll tell you, I saw a video. Um, I've been following gaming streamers because they were yeah. not ahead of us music streamers by several. Oh, yeah, 100%. Years. We're like total like Way losers in comparison. So there's a, a few of those I've been following and one of them um, – <laughs> he, he did a video that was, I watched a ton of streaming people and noted what microphone they had so I could see what the most popular microphones they are. And the so SM7... Like sure Yeti. No, SM7B by a huge by like a lot? More than half. More than half of the streamers yeah. you saw had, had this one. And then, yeah, some other stuff. There was um, SM7... Uh, the... That. The Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, a couple other USB ones that are really popular. Um, uh, Blue has one that was huge a few years yeah, ago. Blue's, the blue Yeti is, is the, yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. that USB mic yeah. that everybody, or the snowball snowball that too. Yeah. yeah. But, but SM7B was the most popular one by a long shot. I mean, it works. And, and you know, the, the cool thing about these mics is that if you get one, like if you get sick of it, you just, you're going to take the money you're getting and put it right back out. Right, like right. there is the resale value on these things is stupid. Yep. You can buy them new for four hundred, and you, you can resell them from three hundred to three fifty. If you buy them used, you can literally sell them for the exact amount you paid for them. Do you, so here's a, here's a question. Uh huh. Do you sell gear? Yeah, I do not. I sit. I sell gear because I'm a fickle kind of guy. So am I. So am I. No, I've got a ton of unused. I just never sell it. No, I don't, I don't have a lot of, well, I may have more room than some, but I don't like keeping things. I've got a very small amount of like unused gear that's sitting on the bottom shelf of like a storage rack right now that I probably won't get rid of because it's not that big of a deal. It's like, I've got, um, like a couple, like I've got a, a pedal tuner and a compressor and like a, like a, a rack DI. I'm not really using those things, but it's not really hurting me to, um, to keep it but i do have i've got a gibson les paul that's literally sat in a case for six years at this point yeah and i'm never gonna play it live right. because i don't it, it's a studio and it doesn't look cool uh, which is important but it sounds and it plays great yeah um there's a guy in my area that does pinstriping and i've debated on just getting it like totally striped out so awesome. it looks neat yeah. um but it's like it was one of my first like real like professional instruments, but I traded it in. I traded a really great thing in to get it. And I feel like a horse's ass for doing it. What's your trade? I had a, um, a handmade, one of the original Fullerton GNL legacies, mm. which was the, their, you know, GNL makes strats. Yeah. And it was, it was a, it was a translucent red, legacy strat mm. and i traded it in for a les paul studio the les paul studio is worth nothing well 
mid nineties GNL legacies are like triple yeah. the price that I paid for it. Um, and it was a gorgeous guitar, but like, I just wasn't, I wanted something heavier because I was 17 and that's what you look for. You look for. And now I'm, ki- I'm just kicking myself because it was such a great guitar. Yeah. And um, I just got rid of it because I was I had used it for you know six seven years and was kind of like meh. I'm over it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's dumb on my part. Yeah. But you live, you learn. I will tell you, I still have my entire pedal train. It was a 48 inch pedal train that I traded in for the the Helix, and I yeah. still have that board and everything that was on it is in my storage unit practice yes. space. Um, including some good stuff. There was a, um, do you, do you know the Sonus Wahoo pedal? Mm-mm. Oh my God. So it's a wah pedal with two filters. Okay. And it's programmable. It, it, there are presets on it that, are, that emulate, you know, a Gibson, you know, the wah-wah and the crybaby and the, you know, all the, all the ones, you know, but yeah. then because it has two filters, that can that it can program to move independently on the throw of the pedal. It can yeah. do vocal formants, so it can do yeah. a eeyore and a mm-hmm. wah, and it can do like all kinds of crazy, you know, filtering effects. And I've never seen anything that could filter like that. I really would love for uh, Line Six to emulate that because there was stuff that I did in that that made me sound like nobody, nobody yeah. in the world. Um, certainly in the cover band world. Sure. Um, I still have that, and I. We'll never probably use it again because I'm f- all in on Helix. But um, uh, yeah, it was good. It's called hoarding, by the way. You know, <laughs> right, well, fair. That's, that's what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And if you walked into the storage unit, you'd be like, "Okay, Dan, we need to have a talk." Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think having a fixed space makes it kind of easy to make those decisions. Yeah. Um, and then there's kind of the funness of flipping things. You know, you find a good deal on something and you, you know, I, I don't go to pawn shops. Well, I don't go to pawn shops at all anymore. Right. But like I've had a couple of moments like um, a guitar center. I found like a really cool uh, boutique pedal that they they wanted like nothing for. And I made like triple my money. On, and at a pawn shop, there was like a, a, they had a, a whammy without a, uh, a power supply and i was like i can't test this what are you gonna do <laughs> they sold it to me for like 30 bucks and i sold it for a hundred nice. like that kind of thing yeah um there's there's a bit of fun in that there's there's a you know that kind of energy that excitement to it um but like i i use all the stuff i've got with the exception of that les paul you know the prs gets used i'm i'm excited to see how the um the explorer kind of turns out because i'd love to use that more um but yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason um, to not continue to try new things out. For me, I just like trying new things, and if it works, I'll keep it. And if it doesn't, you know, why not? Sure. And I'm also nerdy enough to do all the research and know how rare it is and what the pricing goes and what the market value is. And so, if I find a good deal and I don't like it, then I'm I'm all I'm totally on board to just go. Well, you know, cut my losses and make a couple bucks. I was that way about pedals for a long time and then helix killed that for me I, I, yeah i mean i don't care about pedals and i don't care about amps anymore yep. you know this quilter is kind of like a fun little uh distraction but you know if it works i may hang on to it and if it doesn't i 
don't particularly care. Right. I mean, to be honest. But it's fun. It's fun. And guitars are fun. I do still have some guitar acquisition uh, <sighs> angst. There's some. There's still so many. Yeah. So many I want. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of... I don't want to say white whales because it's not a white whale. It's a white falcon. The white falcon, the Gretsch white falcon is what I want. Mm. Or um, they've got the the Black Panther. They've got, you know, so I don't know if I want a white one with gold hardware. Actually, I'll tell you the one that I want. Yeah. This is the one. If anybody if anybody out there in podcast land is, is listening and they want to, like, give me a magical gift, <laughs> it is the Billy Duffy Signature Falcon. So Billy Duffy from the cult has uh-huh. his own signature falcon. It is, um, it's white with silver binding and hardware. Wow. And it's gorgeous. It's a magical, magical instrument. So. Very nice. Very nice. And then I want to play one and be like, meh. <laughs> right. And then be done. Right. Yeah. You, you have to pick it up and like, do I connect with this actual particular slab of wood? Yeah, a couple of months ago, well, no, it was now more than probably six months ago, I went to Righteous Guitars, that crazy guitar mecca yeah. close to my house, yeah. and they had the the tuxedo black custom shop Firebird. Mm. And um, it's four grand. Yeah. And they handed one to me, and I picked it up, and I plugged it in, and it wouldn't stay in tune. Oh, well. And I was like, well, that's easy. That's a lot to pay for something that won't stay in tune. Yeah. And it was just one of those funny things. And I was just like, well, you know, now I know. Yeah. And it does, it does. It kills the romance immediately. Yeah. And then you're on to the next thing. Right. And you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. It's good. Because I've seen them in, in magazines and on the, on websites. And I was just like, oh, wouldn't that be amazing? And then I finally played when I was like, eh, yeah, not, not so for me. Not so much. I don't like, I'd prefer guitars that don't go out of tune. Yeah. Especially if I'm going to spend as much as a yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to tune between it. each song. That's just not happening. Totally. Yeah. Um, John, my guitar tech, is, is about to sell a bunch of stuff. And he has like, he's got a 78 Strat and like a 74 Tele Custom. And um, they're both in great shape, sound great, play great. And I was just like, Shh, crap, I can't afford these. Yeah. There's not, there, for me, there's nothing I love better as a guitar player than to pick up a guitar that I, I'm sure I'm going to love, and I absolutely hate it. It's my favorite. Because mm-hmm. then I'm Hell yeah. On Yeah, don't have to worry about this. I don't have to, it doesn't have to, you know, I don't have to pay rent on oh, this in my mind anymore. God, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not going to go home and study about them or nope. put them on my reverb feed or any of that. The reverb feed is super, super dangerous. <laughs> oh, what's up, Amber Johnson, tuning into the live stream? Hey, how about that? We'll stop saying bad things about you. <laughs> we weren't. We were just talking about how I was going to spend your money. That's all. No. Nah. Yeah. Four grand for a guitar. That's not a big deal, no right? Problem, no problem. That's in the budget. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I do have, you know, the thing about having the band fund. Um, oh, Brent. Dan, got to ask. Yeah. How are you liking the Acoustasonic? He gigs with mine every week, with, with his every week. Um, wearing through the surface decal. <laughs> well, I'm not that far into it. Uh, literally I, I really do enjoy it. And, and I, um, when I was doing the, um, karaoke stuff, I was playing it every week and, and it's fun. Um, it's fun. Um, 
because of the breadth of what it can cover. Um, that's really good. I, I did, I, you know, just like anything I do, just like with the Helix for that matter, I found my sound and I stick with it pretty much and I deviate yeah. from it a little bit, but mostly I got a home on it. Um, and that's good. I did find that when you have to amplify it enough, it gets plinky in the PA unless you give it enough, enough gain gain. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you do that, it sounds like an acoustic and it sounds great. And if you don't, it's, it feels like, feels and sounds like a toy. Um, the, uh, to, to re- re- repeat something that I said about it when I first got it, um, the uh, electric sounding tones literally change my hands. It, they, it changes how the guitar feels in my hands and what I, what my hands want to do with it. It feels like an electric when it's on the electric setting and it feels like an acoustic when it's on the acoustic settings. And I do different things with it because that's what feels natural Mm-hmm. And it's startling to me how much my ears are part of that feedback. It literally feels different in my hands on those different settings, which is really surprising to me. Fascinating. Um, but I, I do enjoy it. And I do like it a lot. For sure, it makes um, the size of it is a lot easier to deal with than the um, Dreadnought that I was gigging before. And yeah. um, it's much more comfortable in the night to play. And yeah, I'm really, really liking it. It's- yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been so accustomed to playing that T5, which is a thin line as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of, that's just what feels like an, an acoustic to me in most cases. Right. And, you know, you were talking about how your hands were kind of bothering you and, and having something like an acoustasonic or like these thin lines, you know, I'm using, I think I'm playing like 11s on this mm. thing. Yep. Um, it definitely helps with your stamina and, um, your ability to kind of do that. Totally. Now you were having issues initially with kind of like the whole dynamic component of like leaning into it. For sure. Have and you kind of figured that out. That, uh, yeah. I mean, I, to the point that I don't think about it anymore. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, but when I first was playing it, yeah, I was, I was banging on it as hard as I would an acoustic and maxing out its dynamic range. To the point that I didn't have, uh, what was it? I got to the top of um, creep, you know, where yeah. it gets huge, and I had no huge left to go. I was all the yeah. way to the max of what the physical guitar could do. Um, and I guess it's a matter of learning it. I haven't had the experience of already being maxed out on it, yeah, in quite a while, which I guess means that I've learned to hold back. Um, yeah, it, it's it's amazing what that does. So like. Um, I don't know if you've seen this has been like a whole guitar thing with people is the whole Rick Beato video yeah. about light gauge strings. Mm-hmm. You know, he played like his favorite set is a set of eights. Right. And I don't think I've ever played a guitar with eights. I don't think I have either. Nines is the least I've gone. In my case, um, because of the fact that like my bands play tuned down a half step the guitars that I just sent off to get set up are going to be set up with the power slinkies, the, the, mm-hmm. the nine, the nine setup. Right. Cause I think if I'm tuning down, I think that's a, that's a good, um, compromise. Cause I don't think, I think eights down a half step would be, I would just destroy those. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that feels. I haven't played nines on a guitar in a long time. So, um, but I think people need to understand, like, you know, com- coming from where Rick is coming from, and then also guys like Rhett and all of that. Um, and it's, you know, I was joking around with a buddy of mine who know both Rick and Rhett that right after they put these videos out, like Ernie Ball launches like a whole yeah. line of these light gauge strings. What are the odds? So I'm not sure if it's, 
entirely advent, you know, coincidental or whatever, but right. it definitely seemed quite convenient right. that they did it that way. Right. Um, but, you know, the thing that people need to understand about guitars is that especially if you're playing in a band, your job is to fill a particular frequency range. Right. And the heavier strings are, the more you're kind of like bumping into other people's neighborhoods. Totally. So keeping the string gauges light definitely tightens the sound up. And I've got a handful of friends who are engineers who are like, they're absolutely right. You may not like it, but that is the, you know, the hand to God. That is the truth uh, of the situation. So I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, I don't feel like it's going to hurt anything. Uh, it definitely won't hurt my hands. <laughs> won't hurt your hands. Yeah, it might hurt your eyeball when the string comes playing off it. I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's worth it's worth giving a shot, and uh, we're not getting any uh, any younger. Our hands aren't getting any less <laughs> really fatigued true. or uh, arthritic. Really true. Yeah, I've got I've got weird issues with both of my hands. So if I can work less and uh, still sound good i'm totally on board with i will that. tell you three months off has pretty much cured my golfer's elbow so it's amazing that's something yeah yeah well i guess the uh the the real question is how long does it take to come back right yeah um so a couple things wanted to talk about that because we're kind of in this weird spot if you don't have a solid acoustic demo it's probably time to put one together yep. um on the youtube channel i have released two different versions and I'm going to do like a whole video on that. I'll give you guys the inside uh, scoop. The whole idea behind posting both of those was that if you are selling yourself to a venue, you need to make sure that you give people um, a short form and a long form version of your promo right. because it gives, it tells two stories. Um, and a lot of us don't like the idea that, um, a raw live feed is the best way to sell ourselves because we don't think it puts our best foot forward. But people who know what they're talking about and people who know what they're booking want to see that because that is where the rubber meets the road. And that is the true, you know, the true tell of whether or not you are a competent, you know, performer. Right. Um, but on the flip side, having something that is clean and well shot and very well edited and good audio is the best way to kind of get your foot in the door, sure. but you can't necessarily use just one or the other. You kind of have to have both if you're yeah. going to kind of sell yourself properly to all of these different venues and, and, uh, and booking agents. Absolutely true. A real booker knows that the quality of your playing and singing is a fraction of what they're hiring. Yeah. And they need to see, it, you know, that crowd engagement, they need to see how you are between songs, they need to see how you hold the space, you know, all that's really important. Yeah, and for me, I'm such a perfectionist and I'm such a, such a, like, I, I don't like it. I don't like putting things out that don't, aren't flattering to my abilities and posting that straight up live stream that, you know, the audio was kind of downgraded because it was streamed from Facebook. And, you know, it was just the PA in the room using the phone as the microphone. Um, all that stuff just stung really, really bad. And I was like, this is why I need to actually do something with this because it makes me uncomfortable, but it is in all respects an accurate portrayal of what it was like to sit in a room and watch me do what I'm doing. 
Um, now the 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 slick one is just over four and a half minutes long, and it's you know a bunch of just little snippets put together, and the um, you know video was shot with a DSLR on a on a stage with the lighting, and then I took the audio and I I judged it, you know I doubled the acoustic tracks and I put it in I put Helix Native on it so that it kind of beefed the sound up and put some sweetener on the vocals and that kind of thing. And it wasn't like, I wasn't, it, it's not, not me. Right. It's just me at the best I can be. Exactly. So peak you peak me. There you go. And having both of those is the way to go. And, um, that wasn't necessarily the most cohesive way to present it, but I will take some time, shoot a video and make it more cohesive. Yeah to explain it better so that is basically all i've got to say yeah well we've been at it for about time here so that's uh that works out i do want to say um i was very stoked to um hear the guys from gig gab podcast give the uh darkness cover shout out yeah um they were very complimentary and i am very appreciative of that um so big thanks to those guys and uh hope to uh, work with them very soon in the future. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing is real. Thing. So, guys, um, big thanks to Brent and Dave and Caleb and Amber, Amber and <laughs> Smitty and Ryan and who else? Uh, Schulte dropped in. All the guys, um, Phil and Becky, for uh, for tuning in to the live stream. Um, we appreciate all of your input. It makes these episodes so much more fun to talk about really while does. they're happening. It really does. And hopefully for you guys who are listening on the uh, on your podcast platform, um, you can hit us up at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com and all the lovely things that Dan will talk about in our bumper. Yep. I hope that you guys are getting back to getting up on stage and doing your thing. But if it's not the right time, don't feel bad. Take your time. You know, make sure that uh, it's the right move for you. But with that, I'll go ahead and call it for this week. From Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. From Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 107. It's crazy. Have a great guys. Have a great week, guys. Yeah, it is. Jesus. <laughs> Help me. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. If you want to help us, be sure to share us with your friends, follow us on social media, and if you haven't already, please leave a review for us on the podcast platform of your choice. Facebook.com slash CoverBandConfidential, Instagram at CoverBandConfidential, and Twitter at CoverBandConfid. If you have any questions, please email us at CoverBandConfidential at gmail.com and consider supporting us on Patreon, Patreon.com slash CoverBandConfidential. And for more info, check out www.CoverBandConfidential.com.